Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I am Alicia M. Pennington, coming to you live from the Dragonfly Max Podcast Lounge at NATA 2019 in Las Vegas. We're here on the Sports Medicine Broadcast. I'm the host of the Business Advantage, and we have uh, Kent Games here with us, and we are going to be talking about challenging the status quo. Uh, and I am so excited to dive into this with him. Um, you're a professional at Indiana State University and I know you do a lot more at Indiana State University um, so tell us a little bit about what that looks like for you um, in your positions there before we really we really dive into challenging the status quo all right so a little background on me I am uh, an associate professor and I'm the director of clinical education for the doctor of athletic training program at Indiana State University I also run the Tactical Athlete Education and uh, Research and Education Center and the Tactical Athlete Care Clinic. So I wear a lot of hats. Yeah. And then I also have my side hustle of uh, Kent Games Coaching with some right. speaking and, and leadership development work. That's awesome. And so um, you and I re have really connected because we are passionate about the idea of um, kind of personal development, challenging the status quo. Um, and I think kind of our uh, connecting point was with Simon Sinek, start with why, right? So um, tell me a little bit about what is your why and maybe how you arrived at it, you know, potentially what processes you went through um, to, to get to that. Right. So my why is simple, to challenge the status quo in athletic training. And it's it's really manifested itself in a lot of different ways, and it was not an easy path to get to. Be right. um, I, I spent a lot of time barking up the wrong trees, focusing on my what, focusing on what people thought of me, focusing on all of these things yeah. that really took me away from my core. Right. But at the end of the day, everything that I'm starting to align my life within is to challenge the status quo of the way it's always been done sure. in, in the profession. Right. And I think what that looks like uh, or I guess what it didn't look like yeah. was, you know, me chasing accolades or me chasing awards or me ch chasing uh, validation right. from a lot of different people and confusing that with actually making a difference. Yeah. And, and you know, I think that um, that journey is is really so nobody just arrives. Right. And um, for me, at least, and I, what I hear you saying finding the why is as much about figuring out what it isn't as what it is. And I think that you do kind of have to detour down paths that lead you to nothing. You know, you were saying barking up the wrong tree or, um, you know, testing things out that, you know, kind of got to try it on, see how it fits. And if you don't like it, you can take it back off. Like it's, I think that um, as professionals, we think that there's one solid path or like there's, you know, you come out of school and you think you have it figured out of like, this is where I'm going. And at least for me, it was like you reach some of the, the highest ranks and you think, okay, well, this is it. Or, you know, this doesn't feel like how I thought it was going to feel, right? So um, I think that there's, I think that there's a lot to be said about uh, kind of wandering and, and figuring out what that looks like. And uh, sometimes that is chasing the accolades or the validation. And um, so what did that look like for you in figuring out what um, what the validation was for you? Because sounds like you were seeking it externally and then you figured out how to fight it internally. So what was that process like? Right. Uh, so without going off into too much of, of the story, you know, for me, it was really the December 2016. Okay. Um, I had just earned 
tenure and promotion in four years, one of the youngest people ever to do it at Indiana State University. I was offered my dream job at my alma mater. And all of those things happened very, very quickly. And I looked at myself and I felt my, I, I was trying to see what I was feeling and I felt nothing. I didn't feel any sense of accomplishment, any sense of joy. And uh, I shared this earlier with the, at the Your Best, Your Best Yes, but it was a very strange time because it was a moment in most people's careers where you've achieved something that most people will never achieve. And I felt empty. And then that quickly turned into, I'm not enough. And I'm not enough to be here. And, and really took me down some dark places sure. because I didn't give myself the permission and I didn't forgive myself to be willing to sample and to try those things without judgment. Wow, that's so, powerful. Yeah, and so that's, that was the moment for me when I had to say something's got to change. Yeah. And that's really when I started to explore, well, really, what am I, why am I here? Yeah. What, what's, what's my role here? And when you say, why am I here? Do you mean like in life or in that setting or in that position or all of it? Like how existential are we talking? <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I think that, I think that it, uh, it came from a place of life, right? I had to ask myself questions like, did I live? Did I love? And did I matter? And I couldn't answer yes to those things on a regular basis. And, and even though I had accomplished so much and I had really achieved this, this high point in, in many people's career, yeah. it felt flatline. It was lifeless. And I reflected on those questions. Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter? And I couldn't answer yes. And I couldn't answer yes for a long time. And I love athletic training. Yeah. It, it is one of the modes by which I meet my why. Right. Um, and so there was a life transformation that happened. Yeah. But then that, that kind of manifests itself in... My professional life, which right. is a huge part of many people's lives Absolutely. and finding fulfillment from your vocation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so challenging the status quo made its way in to into the profession of athletic training and so, into what I do every day. Yeah, it seems like it it became so important to you um, in perpetuity almost because it was what resonated with you in those moments. Am I understanding that correctly? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and there was no one else that could answer that for me because the, the rest of the world was saying, why aren't you happy? Yeah. Why, why don't you, you don't feel accomplished? Like right. give yourself a pat on the back. Right. And it was because I was doing exactly what I was expected to do yeah. with, and I was using all of the talent and the gifts that I have mm -hmm. to use, to do exactly what people expected me to do. I relate, I, I relate to this on so many levels. I, I, one of the things that I've struggled with is, um, you know, when people do give you those accolades and even if you feel like you've earned them, um, but I should, I should rephrase that. Even if you understand that you've earned them or you think that you deserve what, what it is, you don't feel it. Right. So for me, that's the way I've been able to articulate the distinction between what you're describing, which is on paper and even what people are saying to you, it's what it should be. But when people give that compliment or you get that award or you get that accolade, I don't feel it. Like I don't feel accomplished. Yes. Am I yeah. nailing it? Yeah, you're nailing it. So, <laughs> so here's the thing that I've, that uh, as I've talked about this is your why starts out as a whisper, mm, right? And, okay. and you have, you have to trust 
the voice inside of you, the feeling inside yes. of you yes. that this is right. Absolutely. And the more you allow you, the more you give yourself permission yep. to listen to that, yep. the louder and louder and louder that voice, that why becomes. And then eventually you're like, this is me. This is my why. It it's, becomes the, right. the fabric of it's, who it's, you it's, are. It's not a, it's not a light bulb. It's, right. it's absolutely not. Unless there's a huge traumatic event that happens in your life sure. and you're, you're faced with this, but it really is a whisper and it's about trusting yourself and tuning out the noise. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard. That's, that's really, especially when you have people who you respect, mentors, friends, colleagues telling you all, don't listen to that. And that's what I was going to say is I think that it starts out as a whisper because we're not listening, right? So we are distracted by the noise and the noise can be literal. Like you don't find yourself in a quiet environment ever, but the noise can also be figurative of, um, you know, you're, you're pursuing all of these other things. And so your mind you're, you're tricking your mind into like staying busy or, you know, into reaching for the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Um, and that's something that I've experienced where it's like the journey shows me that the journey is the process, is the purpose, is, and, and that, um, to your point, so I kept arriving and arriving and arriving and thinking, well, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. For me, it was because I wasn't enjoying and appreciating the process. I was putting my head down, barreling through it, thinking that once I got there and then there and then, you know, just kept going that I would get that feeling. And once I picked my head up and I immersed myself in the journey along the way, I realized that you're not meant to feel it when you arrive because you've already done all that work. Like the process is really the journey. Right. Exactly. It's, it's like when a, you know, a farmer doesn't plant corn for himself. Right. But the farmer works and works and works and works and overcomes his challenge, overcomes challenge after challenge yeah. at the end, not to reap the entire harvest, exactly. but rather to share his lessons or her lessons yeah. from the work right. and the process that they that he or she went through in in creating, you know, the, the harvest for the rest of the world. And yeah. And I mean, that's a great analogy, because to your point, you know, they're not going to keep the corn and the corn isn't necessarily for them. And of course they're elated when it actually turns out to be a good harvest because they, they can feed themselves and then their families, but everything that they learned while they were going through it, the, the end product is really, you're like, well, of course it would end up that way. Like I did all of these things to make sure. Like, so if we're not paying attention and really putting the value and all the things that we're doing along the way, then there's, there's just really no way that you're going to appreciate the end result, right? So we've talked about the why, um, the how. So how, uh, how is it that you accomplish your why? So for me, it's helping and encouraging people to shift their mindset and open up the possibility, right? I think so many of us, I mean, from an athletic training cultural perspective, uh, from a personal cultural perspective, um, you know, I love my parents. I love all of the mentors in my life. I love all of the mentors in athletic training. And they've been doing a lot of things to protect all of us, to help us move forward. But they've, but they've layered their assumptions of how the world works on top of us. And so it's encouraging people to move the assumptions away from their face. So it, we, we carry our assumptions with us so close that we don't realize their assumptions and we take them as fact. It's part of the noise. It's part of the noise, right? right? And so, so my how is encouraging people to shift their mindset by giving themselves the space 
to see that these things, these feelings, these thoughts, these emotions, this mindset are simply assumptions and we have control over those. We can choose to say this, this makes sense or this doesn't make sense. They're not, it's not facts, but you have to, my, my how is to help people give themselves the space to make the decision on their own. Yeah, and um, I love that you. I love that you said the word space because um, I'm a yogi. Love doing yoga, and one of the purposes of yoga is to create space. Whether that's in your body, whether that's in your mind, whatever, however it manifests itself. One of the purposes of yoga is to create space, and one of the areas that I've found needs more space is the distinction between thoughts and feelings. And to your point of we don't realize that we have control over these things, like the assumptions, we don't realize, well, I won't speak for everybody. I never realized (laughs) that it was my thoughts that led to my feelings, right? So we feel these certain ways, whether it's mad or um, happy or all of those occur. Those are chemical reactions in our body as a result of what our brain is telling us is happening. And the brain is just interpreting information. And so we have the choice to change how we feel if we change our thought patterns. And that was a that was a space where I needed to insert space. Is that kind of similar to what you're saying? That's, that's ex- exactly what I'm saying is that you have to train yourself because the, there's a situation and there are facts. Yes. And that is what it is. Yes. What happens is we interpret what those facts mean based on the assumptions and our biases and our feelings towards certain issues. And then we apply value to those things. And so it's about removing the value that we place on some things and we don't place on other things and giving yourself the freedom and the space to make that choice on your own. Yeah. Again, similar to you, I I say all the time that we assign meaning, um, whatever's going on and whatever impact or importance or uh, value that we think that it has, we assign that, right? So all of these things that happen in our life, I'm saying to myself, oh, that's meaningful to me. It's it's meaningful that, that Kent decided to come on my podcast, but that's not a fact. That's that's a feeling, you know? So if you had said, no, Alicia, I don't want to be on your podcast. I could have taken it personally and thought you hate me. And, and then you go down this spiral of all these things that are not facts. And I think that's what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. But, but, and when you, when you've shifted your mindset, you open up the possibility for radical change in right. the profession, in your life. Yeah. And that, that opens up radical progress. No doubt. You know, it, it, it removes the, it, remove some of the impediment so you can enjoy the journey a little bit right you can you can raise yourself you can raise your head up and say yeah I'm on the journey yeah so I have a question for you I think um, what you and I have both uh, talked about here is we felt an area of friction and then we felt the need to address that do you think that it has to come from an area of friction I think so. I was like, because I, I kind of do. Yeah, I, I think. I think. <laughs> like yes. That small absolutely. whisper is there for like, a reason, ab- right? Like, absolutely. Like there, there is a there is a moment of dissatisfaction right. in your life, and you know that you're dissatisfied, yeah. but but the world around you gives you reason to believe that you shouldn't be dissatisfied. No doubt. Yes. And yes. And again, you know what's right, right. and only you know what's right. Yeah. But you don't listen. 
you know, to give an analogy that maybe the the audience understands. And um, by the way, if you're watching live, if you're listening live, feel free to shoot us questions. Uh, we'll do our best to get them answered. Um, I think an analogy that maybe the audience would appreciate is uh, let's use like, um, you know, fascia in how it glides along the muscle, right? So nobody is concerned about dressing, addressing uh, myofascial adhesions until they become myofascial adhesions. Nobody's concerned about how is my fascia and, and my muscle gliding along each other until you hit that sticking point. And then all of a sudden, I mean, we're sitting in the exhibit hall right now. There's probably hundreds of products right in front of us that are here to address that type of friction. And so what you and I are talking about is that friction, but happening in the mind internally. Absolutely. And I think just like all of the vendors here and all the exhibitors here, there are a hundred different ways to approach that. So, and that's part of my how is to encourage people to find what works for them yeah. um, and, and help them sample sample those things. And so, yeah, so then that starts to get into the what, right? So um, for, for anybody who's unfamiliar, Simon Sinek, start with why. Um, if you can picture like a target. So the, the very inner circle is why. You do one kind of larger circle around that. That's the, um, the how. And then the larger circle around that is the what. And so um, we've addressed the why. We've addressed the how. So the what can show itself in, to your point, hundreds of different ways. What are ways that it's shown up for you in your life or right. even for, for other people? For, for me, it's shown up by, you know, the why is challenging the status quo. The how is by challenging the mindset and giving yourself the space to make radical change. The what for me, developing the DAT program, right? Working with colleagues to develop the DAT program and advocate for that hard, right? right? right. And not be ashamed when you hear the, the naysayers. It's about really spearheading some of the work with tactical athletes, working from our foundation and respecting the fact that it's our foundation, but it's not our roots, right? Mm -hmm. The difference between a foundation and roots, you're tied to your roots and you're sure. built from your foundation. Ooh, so it's about cool. building from your foundation, but yeah. not being tied to, yeah. what, to what we've always done in the past right. um, and really working from what some of the leaders have done in terms of tactical athlete care and formalizing that uh -huh. so it can be replicated. Right. Right. So we right. can improve the care there. And, you know, it can be, it can be other things, right? Some of the, some of the mindset training that, that I've, that I've worked with, yeah. it's manifested in itself in my side hustle, like in my yeah. side business, totally. because that's, I, again, I was challenged. I was challenged with, here's my why, here's how I want to do it. Yeah. And the, what does that look like? I'm reaching 25 students a year, 50 students a year in our program. Yeah. And I have this gift and I have the abilities and I know how to expand that what yeah. to, to increase the net and make it more inclusive. Right. right? And so that's how it manifested itself in, in uh, some of my coaching, some of my speaking, right. uh, this podcast, yeah. right? And, and, and really... The, the opportunities are limitless because your what can be whatever you want. Any medium. Any, any, any medium. It can be any avenue as long as it ties back to your why. Well, and so, yeah, I want to make a, I want to pause here and point out the reason that we structured this conversation the way that we did is to address the why and then the how and then the what. All of the things that you just said are things that, anybody could do. And I don't mean that in a dismissive way of the work that you've done, but I mean it from when you're just looking on the surface, 
those are things. Those are the things that end up on their resume. And so if someone had started with the what and all of the things that you just described, they could have meant nothing. And so I want to I want to give that tangible example for the people that are listening and they're like, what are these people talking? You know, like, oh, he was on this journey and then he found that like that is a very tangible example of it. You have um, your your what's now and you feel fulfilled by them because you did the work to find the why and to figure out the how. You could have been doing the what's the entire time and anybody can be doing the what's all the time, but it's not it's not going to resonate. It's not going to bring the value. It's not going to be all of the things that keep us going in life if the why isn't there. Absolutely. A what without a why is not selfish. And you need to be Explain selfish. That. Yeah. So so Alicia, you were talking about we need the why to keep us going. Yes. And uh, in athletic training we hear these stories about all of these people who work so hard who give so much of themselves and then get burnt out, they get cynical and they leave. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And th- that's a common story in athletic training. It's a very common storyline, yeah. I would argue that the individuals who are on that path yep. are focusing on the what. Oh, it's, no doubt. It's, about the, oh, no it's doubt. about the next promotion. It's about the next title. It's yes. about making, it's about validating myself so I feel valued yes. by giving up my space. I see what right? you're saying. And yep. so yep. all of those things are happening from a selfless perspective yes. and selflessness. We are all servants of, in athletic training. We are a service profession. We have a servant's heart, right. but too often we put the servant part of us ahead yes. of ourselves. Yes. And that's yes. dangerous. It absolutely is. I mean, that's what leads to burnout. And I mean, with many other contributing factors and not singularly. Um, and, and this is something that I've felt strongly about for a long time that selfishness is not negative. I mean, literally, you know, if you believe in um, the way that we've all come to be, like the, the people who have survived um, have have done so because they've put themselves first. Either that, you know, hunters and gatherers or the reason that we have evolved as a species and, and we've gotten to where we have in part is because we've been selfish. And it's, um, there is selflessness and, and um, there are absolutely balances and, and, and aspects of that that have to be in there. But to your point, if you're just selfless, you're literally not going to survive. And whether that's your professional career or as a life, like you're, you're not going to survive if you're just giving and giving and giving and giving. Absolutely. And, you know, I would even take that a step further is that you can be selfish to be selfless. Right. Yes. And we need to reframe our thoughts around selfishness. It's yes. one of those assumptions that have been applied to us Absolutely. that selfishness equals bad. Right. I'd like the audience to reconsider and say, every time you hear selfish, use the word self-care. Mm-hmm. Replace selfishness with self-care. self-care. Yeah. And, and when we're able to do that, we're able to cut through our excuses. Yeah. Right. How many of us have always wanted to take care of our health? And we as athletic trainers say, I don't have time to eat healthy. I don't have time to get to the gym. I don't have time for my mental health, my spiritual health. If you just shift that a little bit and say, I'm not making my health a priority. Right. Right. 
Because that's what you're actually doing. Right, because yeah. I don't have time as selfless because you can rationalize giving your time to someone else. Right, right. But if you say, my health isn't a priority, that's a selfish perspective, yes. but it's a perspective that of will create self-care. change. Yeah. And yeah, it's yeah, a perspective yeah. of self-care, absolutely. You know, <clears throat> the, the, the old adage of... Um, when you know you fill up your cup and then you can fill up someone else's and i heard a a kind of a spin on it recently where um if your cup is full and completely overflowing you will endlessly be able to give to others as opposed to pouring yourself into another person when you're pouring yourself into someone else you're emptying your own self as opposed to just continuing to fill up yourself and then it overflows to everyone else. So shifting that verbiage a little bit, um, you know, semantics matter with that kind of stuff. So, um, making it, you know, self care instead of selfish. And so I think that, um, that gets us into, you did a a talk called your best. Yes. And tell me a little bit about what that was and, and kind of the message of it. So the bottom line message is that we have to choose to nurture ourselves to find fulfillment in our life. And in order to choose what your best yes is, you must have three things, fulfillment, purpose, and opportunity. That's how you choose your best yes, because you have a purpose that may just be your what. Sure. Maybe not be your why. Right. You have an opportunity. You say yes. Right. And all you're doing is filling up your CV. That's all your, your, your resume. No That's all yep. you're doing. Yep. And if you, if you neglect the fulfillment aspect of your life, yeah. you will, you are more likely to make decisions that you know, deep down inside are not for you, but are for someone else. And so the talk really went through 11 actionable items that we can take today to start to retrain our mindset okay. and find fulfillment and change change the narrative around selfishness yeah. and and flip it on its head i'm taking a self-care day yeah. right that, that sounds a lot better than i'm just going to be selfish today and take a day for myself right right i mean the connotation on that's very different um not only in how we say it to ourselves but how other people perceive it when we say it out loud and i can say that um there have been moments where i've emailed you and I love your out of office reply. I'm probably going to steal it to some extent. When you email him and he's out of office and it's, you know, spring break or even for this, you know, this um, uh, conference, the first thing you do is you acknowledge the person. You say, I, you know, thank you for messaging me. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your consideration of, of getting in touch with me. However, <laughs> and then, you know, it goes into one or two sentences about I'm prioritizing me right now. And, um, I think, you know, not only is it very well worded, but it also, it disarms somebody, right? So it's not just, uh, you know, I don't care about you and I'm doing me and I'll just get back to you whenever I can. But it's also not just strictly business. It's not just out of office, I'll get back to you when I can. There's this message that people start to understand, like he values himself, but he also values me and both of them are happening simultaneously. He's not putting me over him. He's not putting him over me. And it's, it's just beautiful. So um, I think that that's probably just one, um, you know, small way that you practice it. Absolutely. Steal it. Feel free to steal it. Anyone can email me and steal it. Yeah. Uh, it's a permanent away <laughs> message. Okay, there you yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then you also did a talk, uh, I think it was with young professionals or potentially students. 
I think it was with the students. With the students. Okay. Um, on put your oxygen mask on before helping others. What was that about? That was about, again, this idea of self-care and radically changing the way we perceive ourselves and what we do as servants every day. That uh, many of us flew here and a message, regardless of if you fly Southwest or Delta or any other airlines, is put your oxygen mask on first before helping others. And it's kind of like the overflowing cup or lighting a candle. Like you have to take care of yourself before you take care of those people who also may not be able to take care of themselves. That's a really good point. That's, that's, that's really the key because without the oxygen flowing, you can't help anyone. Maybe you can help two or three people immediately around you, yeah. and then you're going to suffer from oxygen deprivation, and yeah. you're going to be burnt out, <laughs> yeah. or what, what, however you want to apply the analogy. Yeah. Um, but what that talk was all about was working through that in terms of this idea of life-work balance or this idea of life-work integration. And I will say that one of the ways I'm challenging the status quo is to say that that's impossible. That life-work, because to build anything of meaning or to build anything of purpose, you must be off balance. Absolutely. You know, I think there was a TED talk about being off balance on purpose. And again, it's about the why. It's not about the what, because we can fill our lives with busyness. Absolutely. We can go to bed tired. Uh, We can go to bed overwhelmed. But, and that's where many of us get the misconception of I'm I'm unbalanced. Well, of course you're going to be unbalanced. If you're balanced, you're dead, right? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And and if you are balanced, it's eight hours, eight hours, and eight hours. And that's just not how it works. Right, right. I mean, Definitely the word balance, I think, is is used loosely. And, and there have been, um, you know, I think other iterations of it to, to further emphasize. Because, again, semantics matter. Like, if we're talking about balance, it's eight hours, eight hours, eight hours. So um, I do think that there's been, uh, like I said, other iterations that have been introduced. But the point is that, you know, like so professionally for me, um, I've had to go all in on the professional and the career side of things to, you know, build my own business and do all these things. And then the personal could, could come over or, you know, there's moments where I just put a complete pause on the professional and then you go into the personal. And we had another guest on earlier who's an athletic trainer um, in the NFL and he does a phenomenal job of, of balancing things. And that was his point is you turn off the phone, you walk away, you, you have to shut down sometimes. And that's also a, a way that we avoid burnout. Yeah. You have to give yourself permission to engage or your per- self permission to ignore, right. right? That's, that, that is what it's all about. It's about permissions, but we, we, we give ourselves logical arguments for emotional decisions that we make. No and and, and we, we want to flip it because it, we're more comfortable with logic. Yeah. We can ration it we, away. We can ra- yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... Um, yeah, it's it's about balance. It's it's about disrupting that idea of balance because just like you, you said, it's, it's not about the product, right. right? You went all in because you understood that was the journey. Yeah. And you have to take massive action yes. in order to engage with your why. If you have your why, you're doing yourself a disservice. Like at a spiritual level, you're doing yourself a disservice to go- You'll continue to feel that friction. Right, to go go half in. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So one of the things that um, I've noticed out of the Indiana State program is a lot of your graduates and even current students that are 
talking about this kind of thing and feeling this way. And um, I think it's one of the things that sets you guys apart. Is that majority of your work or, I mean, I guess, I guess my question is, it's unique to find an employer that values these types of discussions and these mindsets because um, they, they don't usually. So how have you been able to integrate that into uh, your career, your work, not, not just from a fulfillment perspective, but like actually your employer and talking to students and kind of normalizing this conversation, if you will. It's really hard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> bottom yeah. line. Uh, yeah, it's, it's Alicia, really what difficult. you're saying is yeah. true. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there are, uh, again, a hundred ways to do it. Totally. How yeah. we've chosen to do it and how I've specifically chosen to do it is to integrate something called the mastermind concept or a master class concept yeah. at personal development, professional development. And really it's about, again, it's, uh, sorry, if there's any listeners under the age of 10, you may want to turn it off for the next couple minutes, but it's really about breaking down the story of Santa Claus, right? Because it's a perfect, it's, it's a really good analogy okay. for how we can make change in our own lives and how we can integrate these things, right? Okay. When we were children, the uh, majority of American children believed at one point in their life that a big guy in a red suit came down a chimney and brought you a lot of toys. Yes. That is, and that was fact. Ab no and doubt. No, no way that was not fact. Yeah, absolutely. That was yeah. the only <laughs> explanation. There, Obviously. Parents not involved at all. Not involved at all, no. The, and then... You have the bully or the big brother yeah. or the big sister Someone burst your bubble. Who, who, who tells you this. And then you start to question yourself. Uh -huh. And it may have been in June, right? And then you forget about it. But that first Christmas mm. after you were told like, hey, you know what? Santa Claus isn't real. You hope. Like in your soul, yeah, you're like, you're like so please. True. Like, you yeah. know, you go to bed and you're like, oh, come on, please come be on, this. Come on, Santa. Right? You got and me, then, right? Yeah. Right? And, and then... And then anyway, you, you develop and you mature and you find out that, you know what, Santa Claus wasn't real, sure. but you have a, 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 a higher level of understanding that that's never what the holidays were about. Mm -hmm. It was about being close to each other. It was about feeling loved. Right. And, and yes, you may have expressed that or, you, or your parents may have felt that by giving you gifts or cookies or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, but that's not what, it was not about Santa Claus at all. It the was expression about of it the wasn't. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so. It's about breaking down that story. And we use that story a lot because it's, it's, it's really difficult to implement these things. And it's not something, again, it's not a switch. It's something that we work on the entire two years. And we have a culminating mastermind experience that is intensive personal development. I'm sure and many of our, our listeners have spent thousands of dollars to come to this trip. And they spend thousands of dollars every year on professional development. My challenge is spend a quarter of that money on personal, personal development. development. I'm here. And, and that's, here with you. you know, buy a book, buy an audiobook. Yes. Go to watch a TED talk. Watch a TED talk. Yeah. If, if you are, if you are close to the coasts or if you're close to the Midwest for certain ones, go to events that do not have anything to do with your professional life. Yes. But the purpose is to help you shift your mindset, right. to be around people who are on different levels of your path. Maybe yes. people are in front of you and people who are behind you in your path. So you can learn and teach those people while you're at these events. Yeah. Um, and you know, one of the things that early on we got some attention for was capping our graduate assistants at 28 hours. Mm -hmm. You will stop working at 28 hours right. period. Right. And the, 
it was funny because the athletic trainers were the ones that were the biggest impedi impediment. Yeah. Yeah. And we put ourselves as our own barrier. We all talk about, I want more time to myself. Yeah. I want more time to do things. And then when you're presented with an opportunity, it challenges the, the story yes. that to be a valuable athletic trainer, yes. you must work hours upon hours upon hours. That is definitely an agreed upon understanding within our profession. And I would go, I would take that a step further and say, there's a level of shame that is associated with and is um, put on to someone that doesn't do that. And we want to wag our finger or um, point out the people who aren't doing it, despite the fact that majority of our, our profession is saying that we're trying to move towards that. And so it's a perfect example of we don't, we, we want what we don't have, but then when we get it, we don't know what to do with it. and. It, it, I think it's like the culmination of everything we've talked about with how, how do we um, advocate for ourselves? How do we uh, make sure that we're putting ourselves first? How do we accomplish all of these things? And this opportunity is put in front of you. And then, you know, you're just like, wow, what do I do with this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, there, there, and there are so many other little things that we can all do. Right. Write down yeah. three things you're grateful for. Right. That gives you the space. Yeah, gratefulness practice is really to, cool. to understand that, you know, I have some challenges in my life, yeah. but on the lit, if I had to list all 8 billion people on this planet, even on my worst day, I'm doing pretty good. No doubt. Right. So, um, in your talks, in your work, do you feel like there's penetration with this message? Do you feel like people want to know more about this? Do you, or, or do you feel like it's landing on deaf ears? I believe that it is, it's landing and it's penetrating. Uh -huh. I think the challenge is, particularly at events like this or other athletic training events, again, we go in with the mindset, I'm going to gain professional development and I'm going to invest my time in learning about ACL tears sure. or ACL rehabilitation. Sure. And so part of challenging the status quo is to go into situations in which you know you will be disadvantaged. Yeah. Like and 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 then deliver and and make it and add value to the individual who have invested the individuals who have invested time and money yeah. and energy in showing up to that presentation right. to exceed their expectations. Yeah. Because they probably don't have any expectations sure. coming in, sure. but to blow those out of the water. Yeah. And I do think that it does resonate in athletic training yeah. because I, as a profession, our story is that we are not enough. Right, I'm right. just an athletic trainer. Just. I'm like a, this other profession. Yeah. That, yeah. that is our story. Yeah. That is absolutely yeah. our story. Absolutely. And we, as we, we were born from sport, yeah. and as we transition to healthcare, yeah. again, we're, we're, we, we, we want to stay connected to our roots. Yes. And radically changing that is to say no. I respect our foundation, right. but we have to fundamentally shift ourselves. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's hard because we have to change the narrative that we are enough. That's really and, cool. and Absolutely. No, I don't care what your athletic director says. I don't care what your coach says. I don't care what your patients say, right? I value, I value and, and a good mindful self-aware individual can integrate that information, yep. but your judgment of me does not 
influence the value that I am enough and we Inherently, collectively yes. are enough yes. as athletic trainers. Absolutely. Right. You know? Right. And, and, and then it, 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 it manifests itself. The feeling of not enough manifests itself individually because within the profession, we start to find ways to validate ourselves that we are enough. And so you mentioned shame earlier. Right. Right. So we say, well, I'm enough because I work all these hours exactly. or I'm enough because I work for this division. I one, was going to say, or the, or the association that you, you know, right. professional or D one or these things that right. we are, or you're just, you're just a secondary school athletic right. trainer right. or you didn't pass the BOC exam on the first time. Exactly. Right. Like we, we, we have these little things yeah. that again, these I think assumptions these assumptions that we've attached onto and we, right. we, as a professionally, as a profession or as a society, we've agreed our facts. And they're not. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And so to that's... bring it all full circle. bring it yeah. all full circle. And, yeah. and my message is simply, when you have those feelings and you have those thoughts or you feel things that are facts, give yourself the space to look at it. And then you can challenge the status quo and blow your mind. So now we can make more progress forward together as enough. I love it. I love it. I love it. I mean, I think that... We've covered so much here, and um, it's it, it's been great. And so, uh, if anybody wants to listen back, if they want to find this uh, as a recording, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com/slash challenging the status quo, challenging status quo. Um, Kent, thank you so much for being here. I'm I could talk to you forever about this, and maybe we will on another episode. But um, I really appreciate the insight that you're sharing. I want to honor the work that you've done to arrive at this space because uh, it's not easy, um, and it's also not easy to talk about. So I appreciate your willingness to be vulnerable and open up about this. I know that it's something that as human beings we need, but especially as a profession we need. So thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Absolutely.